we really hope you've been enjoying the first few episodes of our podcast and uh, we hope you join us for many more. So today we're talking about the effects of resistance training and hypoxia. Welcome, Jared. Thank you. So let's just give a little bit of a background behind the concept of strength training in hypoxia and what right. it's supposed to do. So the background behind this study is very similar to what we saw in episode one with hypoxic sprinting. Researchers are rationalizing that hypoxia and exercise both increase acute growth hormone. And then similarly to episode one, they're trying to get an increase in hypertrophy on the back of that growth hormone. So whereas in episode one, they were looking for more lipolysis, this study is now looking at hypertrophy from that growth hormone response, and then on the back of which they might get more strength as well. Very good. And more bang for your buck, basically. Exactly. So what did they do? So it was an eight-week training study. They recruited 13 healthy men, split them into two groups. The normoxia group had seven participants, and the hypoxia group at 12.7% oxygen had six participants. And what they did is they had them come in, tested their 10 repetition max for triceps extensions, and then had them do triceps extensions for three days per week for that eight-week period. Along the way, they continued to test their 10 repetition max every two weeks, as well as take blood samples, and they used ultrasound to examine the muscle thickness. And during the session, what they mentioned the sets and reps? Right. So during what a, the total session entailed is the participants would actually first come in and they'd sit around for about 30 minutes in the hypoxia or the normoxia. Then they would do three sets of AMRAP at their 10RM with a one-minute rest period in between. So that altogether, that would take about five minutes that they're actually, that's the entire exercise stimulus, is that three sets of triceps extensions on the one trained arm. Yep. So this was a unilateral exercise, not a bilateral. And then they had the participants stay in the lab under the hypoxic or normoxic conditions for an additional 60 minutes while they continue to take blood samples. And in the blood samples, what did they look for? Their outcome measures in the blood samples were blood lactate and serum growth hormone and cortisol concentration. Okay, very good. And so, a nice, easy study. Uh, what did they find? So, their findings were that from the training session, just in the normoxia, that the trained triceps did increase in muscle thickness, and they also found increases in strength, both for the trained triceps and the untrained triceps. So, the trained triceps increased strength at two weeks, versus the untrained triceps increased strength at four weeks. Now, when I say strength, this is a 10RM, so it's strength endurance, really not maximal yeah. strength. They also saw an increase in lactate during the session, although no change in growth hormone, and actually a decrease in cortisol. So we see that this was a fairly easy session. It's just three sets, one arm, triceps extension. It's essentially a relaxing amount of exercise. Yes. Yeah, so a decrease in cortisol. Then when we look at the addition of hypoxia, what we find is that there is an additional increase in that trained triceps muscle thickness, as well as an increase in growth hormone and an increase in cortisol. So overall, you'd say that although you have an increase in cortisol, um, you'd probably take the improved muscle cross-sectional area and the growth hormone with the hypoxic environment. Oh, absolutely. The, the increase in cortisol is really just a reflection that this was actual stress and we need to be stressed to adapt. Exactly right. And, and traditionally, we, we think of because it's a catabolic hormone that it's we want to dampen it, but you're right. right. There are times where we need a cortisol response. Right, and it's it's a big difference having a, an acute cortisol response versus a chronic cortisol response. I mean, acutely, you, in a training session, you're going to want more cortisol because you can have more energy available. 
more energy available, you can exercise at a higher level. Yeah, correct. Uh, so any, um, in conclusion, any takeaways from this study? Yeah, so the, the major conclusions from the study is that the hypoxia did result in an increase in growth hormone that may have been direct or may have been through an increase in metabolites, lactate. Well, the growth hormone then either directly or through IGF-1 increased the hypertrophy of the trained arm. And what we did find on what they did find, surprisingly, was that the hypertrophy did not then transfer to the 10 rep max strengthened. Okay. Yeah. So they found that those, they, in their discussion, they, they state that it, that it likely wasn't actually related. And in terms of the, uh, the crossover between the trained arm and the untrained arm, was there anything about that that in their discussion about to why did they see that response? Right. So there's, there's a lot of different theories on the mechanism behind cross education. And most people have decided that's likely due to neural factors. So there's some uh, contralateral spinal effects that, that we believe may be responsible for that. Which, which I think is really nice when you look at uh, injury rehab, you know, traditionally, yes. you know, ensuring that the good limb, you can train that hard um, with the known fact that you could possibly get some crossover effects um, during the, to, to, the, uh, to the injured limb. Um, and, and that's quite nice as well. And, you know, if you're lucky to have the facilities where you could access um, a hypoxic environment, right. um, you could actually try and um, increase the the strength development during that acute phase where traditionally, you know, we're trying to attenuate the muscle loss. That's quite difficult for, them to, for us to do as Absolutely. coaches. Yeah. Um, any other takeaways from the, the study? Yeah, so I think the, the major hidden gem in the study is that cross-education that was observed is, is don't, don't kind of discount that, that if you're, if you're rehabbing something and you want to minimize your mechanical load, Although we're thinking, oh yeah, you can apply hypoxia as a metabolic stress so that you can be you can be getting that additional stimulus. Well, it's still a stimulus to the untrained arm when you train the opposite arm, and so that might actually be one of the best ways to to have a it's not exactly an exercise mimetic stimulus, but but a way to improve adaptations for for a um, for a limb that cannot be trained. And I, I guess when you look at other literature on hypoxic chamber, this is systemic, um, using localized hypoxia through the use of occlusion cuffs. Right. It could be another method. So combining those two for um, the practitioner who may not have access to these chambers, you know, could be a really nice application from this study into the real world. Right. Well, I mean, occlusion cuffs cost, you know, a hundred bucks, a couple hundred bucks, whereas a environmental chamber is slightly more expensive. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, that's a really nice summary of that study. So thanks for your time, Jared. Thank you. And uh, thanks for listening in, everyone. So um, for more information, remember to visit our website at, website at snippetscience.com. Thank you for listening, everybody. For more information, remember to visit our website at snippetscience.com. Remember to leave a comment. Uh, anything you'd like us to review is always quite good. We'd love mm. to hear from you uh, listeners out there. Recommend some articles. Definitely. Absolutely. And remember to follow us on Twitter and join us on our journey at Snippet Science. Thanks for listening.